0: This week on the Warm Up the Bus podcast, we recap the Western Hockey League trade deadline. We start in Regina, where we cover the Eastern
1: Conference with Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post. Had the path gone to him, would he have been willing to wait the no trade provision in his, in his contract, but uh, uh, Connor Bedard really likes it here.
0: Then, we move to the West, where Steve Ewen of the province Takes us through the absolute historical blockbuster we saw there.
2: They were talking to the Giants. They said that they were they were in on the gunther. Yeah, I think that would have been interesting as well, right?
0: And although Connor Bedard wasn't traded, Dylan Gunther was. What's the chances he comes back? Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Warm Up the Bus podcast, Trey Deadline Special. We have two great guests today, but before that, Zach, how are things? Um,
3: I'd like to apologize on behalf of the WHL for the most boring Tuesday afternoon in, I think, my entire life.
0: Uh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, it was okay. Uh,
3: but a bit of a letdown after that weekend. I'm doing well otherwise, Jesse, how are you? Uh, well,
0: as well, um, it definitely was a little bit of a letdown, but, uh, overall, I think the whole, uh, experience was pretty good. Yeah, it was, I guess the first, I don't know, true,
3: exciting trade deadline really since maybe early 2020. So I guess maybe before we, you know, get into our, uh, awesome guests and, the. Uh, Commentary on the deadline. Uh, what do you say we preface today's episode with? Uh, uh, I don't know some acknowledgments here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's something that would
3: go a long way. Um, I think Jesse and I thought it was important from the outset when we made the podcast uh, to um, understand that there's kind of you know two sides uh, of the fence, and we didn't want uh, to be speculative. Uh, or putting down kids uh, in the WHL or anything like that. Um, And we wanted to um, grow the sport and awareness of the game in a healthy way for, you know, all parties, team staff, players, and things like that. So with that being said, um, I think it's important that we just acknowledge that um, the trade deadline and trading in general in junior hockey is really difficult uh, for the kids, their families, billets, um, and even staff of teams, um, I think the last week especially, and uh, talking to some people in the league was uh, trying time for both sides. Um, I know staff had to have difficult conversations with families and kids um, that were on their way out. And, uh, of course, kids having to be traded is never a fun time, especially if it's you know a wide geographic area like Western Canada. I mean if we think about it, and we talked about it with Rob a bit there um it's interesting you know when we were that age you know what were we responsible for um <laughs> it's not quite the same stuff right
0: No it's fair it's uh it's something that I don't think a lot of people think about uh when we go through this process um we all think about our you know our teams or you know, the players, but we don't necessarily think of them past, past that. We don't think of them as, as humans or even they're just kids, most of them. And it can be a really trying time for a lot of them. A lot of them are still um, in high school or just out of high school. And it's just, it can be really hard. So I think, I think that it's important for everyone to remember that when, um, talking about trades or talking about who should have been traded or who shouldn't have been traded because uh, you just never know what what happened in the background and and I think uh, I think it's important to remember that these really are just kids. Yeah, and in the salary cap era of
3: sports and NHL, um, I know the hip thing um, that we talk about is asset management and things like that. Um, and in the WHL, uh, it's just a little bit different, right?
0: Yeah, I mean you'll even hear us, you know, occasionally refer to it that way. We could drawn into that sort of talk, but it is it is true that it it's uh, you know, it, it is a little different. It, it absolutely is as as uh, as the league is is set up to provide these kids with, you know, a path to professional hockey. Uh they're not professional yet. Yeah, and they're
3: they're just finding their way and some are playing towards, you know, a good education um and self-development. And I think it's important uh, maybe that players and families uh, treat uh, being traded as such. Um, so hopefully anyone that was moved has been moved somewhere where they're going to get more opportunity and is better for their overall growth. And they they treat this process as just another
0: avenue for their, their personal growth and maybe even their hockey career growth. Why do we think this trade deadline was the way it was? I mean, it almost feels like it was a little historical with some of the moves we saw. <laughs> I I
3: laugh cuz I feel like the the uh the graphic of the Zellweger trade is like burned in on my mind now.
0: Yeah, I mean that that is why it took so long. They had to make a new one. It probably didn't fit in their Canva. Like, I had to uh their Canva
3: template. I had to click
0: on the image to open it to read all the stuff that was going on. I he- I heard it said that it read like a CVS receipt. Oh. Our friends in the states would know that.
3: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Maybe a Walgreens. Um, well, I don't. I we've talked to a few people on the podcast that had, and I think they all contribute some interesting tidbits to why this deadline's a little bit different. Um, but maybe the easiest way is to maybe establish a baseline to see, you know, is this really that much different? So, to me, the baseline would be uh, early 2020 deadline. You know, just before the pandemic. And I mean, some of the biggest trades were like Bartow. I think he went for four seconds, a third and some change, right? No first in that one, which is interesting because he was a Dallas Stars uh, prospect. Tracy, he went for like a one, two, three, four, and then some. Nothing like four first, right? And that was kind of the first deadline there in early 2020, I think. Um, where those rules were in effect where you couldn't trade under 17 players um, with the no trade clauses. So that would have been, you know, a good starting point for a shift in maybe the market prices being more pick heavy, but we didn't really see it um, at that deadline. So this one's very unique, I think.
0: Yeah, I, you know what? I think that makes a lot of sense. I think even uh, teams were ready to to get into it with the first true post-COVID season. Uh, they weren't fearful um, that season was going to get canceled. They didn't think, you know, Kelowna style where they deposit all these picks and then nothing comes of it. Everyone kind of knew that... Uh, The playoffs were going to happen. The tournament Memorial Cup was going to happen. And so I think we saw that where everyone that wanted to be in was in it. Yeah, everyone's void of the fear now. Um, We're all kind of COVID
3: fatigued. Um, And it feels like, it does feel to me at least like the first true season back. Because I think about um, going to playoff games last year um, and attendance, in my opinion, being underwhelming in a lot of spots.
0: Well, it was just before playoffs, I think, where they were able to get open to 100%. Isn't that right? Yeah, I don't remember quite the timing, but I think part of it was even
3: though we were allowed uh, full buildings, um, you know, there's still a lot of hesitancy around going out into large groups and gatherings. I think with another year here, that's kind of worn off, and so hopefully teams are having uh, more attendant success in that regard, and maybe that's what's also contributing uh,
0: to all the – Moves and lack thereof. You know, it really was an arms race. It started in the off-season. Seattle decided that they wanted to load up early. Um, Winnipeg's moves this season. I mean, Callum's had to do something. I know uh, some of their fans were definitely like, what is going on?
3: And they were patient, and it sounded like they were in on most of these other uh, deals that were going down. Um, that price didn't make sense to them, and waiting wasn't... It's not a terrible decision. I don't think to me, this deadline was, it was a combination, I guess, of a few things. Um, three true teams loading up to be powerhouses to compete for it all. And, uh, maybe the Memorial cup being a West, um, also makes it maybe a little more attainable in their eyes. Um, they don't have to cross country travel or anything like that. Um, but I also think a lot of teams are finding themselves in that mushy middle this year where they're looking forward to some playoff revenue and maybe they're a little more competitive than uh, people thought they'd be or they thought they'd be. Um, and the East seems like a a dogfight with all the playoff teams above 500. And so you combine that with maybe the the shifting market of, you know, kids not being able to be traded with the no trade clauses. Um, and so now you got to be a little more pick heavy, and then, you know, if we're mostly pick heavy and no prospects or few prospects, um, I guess uh, fewer sellers, more buyers, and a lot of teams just happy to hold, unless they get you know a true ransom, for uh, you know they're good, they're good decent players. Um, I think all those kind of
0: contributed. What about you? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I agree with all of that. I think, uh, I think one of the biggest things that we need to remember at this trade deadline was that, uh, the Memorial cup is, is here in the West and, um, there was an extra, extra team guaranteed team that was buying no matter what. Um, even if they did, I mean, it turns out they probably would have, if they weren't hosting anyways, but I don't know if they would have done firsts, And so that really made the, uh, made the difference there. Do you think, um, moving forward, we can expect this sort of, uh, this sort of uh, traction in terms of this many picks moving at the deadline. I've
3: given this about as much thought as I could in 48 hours. I'm going to say no. um, because I think there's a lot of factors at play um, and they all kind of contribute to maybe a little more willingness uh, to, to dispose of these picks for elite assets. And I think what you saw today where teams still had depth needs, uh, maybe for like good 19 year olds, not elite guys, but they still, there's still teams that definitely have depth needs. And it seemed like everyone that was either interested in um, adding a depth piece wasn't really able to um, because the prices were in fact so high. So I think what we see going forward, I don't expect as much uh, or as many first round picks going. Um, I do expect, of course, less less young players going in deals, unless they're looking for a change of scenery. Um, but I definitely think less first rounders. And I think the prices come down because I, it's clear that a lot of really good teams weren't interested in paying those prices for anything other than the top end available talent.
0: Let's briefly touch on the last three, four day, days uh, leading up here to the trade deadline. Um, the idea here is we'll just kind of list off the most important trades that, uh, that happened. And then, uh, Zach and I have come up with kind of a soundbite response and we think it should be pretty, pretty fun. So let's start with the historic one. The, uh, the Zellweger trade to Kamloops. So, uh, Everett traded Olin Zellweger and Ryan Hofer to Kamloops for, uh, a lot.
3: Yeah. I dare you to list that off.
0: (laughs) Uh, it's, uh, let's just say it's Drew Englott, Caden Hamill, Rylan Pierce, Jack Backer, Baker, and four first-round picks, and then a bunch of other picks.
3: I'm going to make them an offer, camera.
0: Oh, man. um, I didn't
3: believe it when I first heard four firsts. I'll be honest. Because um, we've never seen that.
0: Yeah. I thought it was yeah. a mistake.
3: It just, we've, I've tried to find trades in CHL history where there was, you know, that kind of. <laughs> that kind of package going across and I just can't, I can't find anything like it. Um, part of it's of course, cause prospects uh, went back the other way back in the day, including some picks, but I mean, I feel like Everett got two prospects and firsts, which is, yeah. But um, I think maybe people are under appreciating Hofer in this deal. And maybe that's why Counts was willing to pay for um, they probably saw the price for uh, the Vancouver Giant. And they said, well, if we're giving up all this, I want, I need two elite pieces. I need two impact pieces. And they got a much-needed um, heavy lifter power forward with offensive ability in Hofer, which is, I think he's just a perfect fit. And then, I mean, if you need a puck-moving defenseman, is there someone better than Zellweger? Do you think that's
0: enough for the Kamloops? Probably they'll probably be okay. I would have liked to see a couple depth moves, um, for players who had played, uh, you know, a fair bit in the league, but, um, you know, I guess they probably just didn't have anything left.
3: I, th- I think it was clear that they wanted to add a defenseman, and I think it comes back to they weren't going to give up those premium assets like a first unless it was a really good player coming back, and so I think there was no in between. So they had to just go with that depth piece for the ninth uh, ninth round pick well i mean one that kick-started the weekend kind of bit of a surprise i think um but maybe less so after his injury was the colton back trade what was our reaction to that
4: oh my god okay it's happening everybody stay calm what's the procedure everyone stay calm. Stay calm.
3: what's the procedure
4: stay f-ing calm.
0: Well, it was obvious that uh, Kelowna and Bruce Hamilton had decided to retract his uh, statement um, that they uh, don't sell, decided to sell. I think they're probably better for it. I think it was was as simple as uh, if you lose Dak for
3: most or all of the regular season, um, maybe it just makes more sense to get some assets rather than having them for maybe
0: five or six games in the playoffs. Let's uh, move now to the Vancouver Giants. Big trade came down just before the big one with uh, Kamloops and Zellweger. A stop check went to Winnipeg uh, for, uh, again, uh, four players um, and uh, three first-round picks and and a fifth in there as well. Um, Do we think that was a fair price?
4: (laughs) They said market price. What market are you shopping at?
3: I think that was the price. Um, so I don't know about fair, um, but if someone's willing to pay it to get the asset, uh, I'm sure it's fair,
0: right? Yep, it's that. That is pretty much it. I I reached out to uh, to a source in Vancouver and asked what uh, what was going to happen there. I I asked, are they are they in sell mode or? What's going on? And uh, this person told me, nope, not sell mode. They just couldn't say no.
3: Yeah, I I think that's what it was. It was the prices were going crazy and they realized we can cash in big and we'd be silly not to. Um, So it'll be interesting to ask uh, Steve later uh, because I know one of his pieces recently was Parnetta saying there wasn't a lot of disparity between uh, the top teams and the, you know, the eight seeds. Uh, so if that was just purely posturing or if uh, it just got to that point where they said we can't say no anymore.
0: So Trey City made four trades. My
1: mom
4: always said life was like a box of chocolates.
3: Yeah, I I mean, we're told not sure what's going to happen there, but you know something will. Uh, nothing too crazy over there, right? They're not selling any pieces, but uh, shuffling and maybe getting changes scenery for a couple players.
0: Dylan Gunther...
4: No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 No!
0: No. I'm not talking about that. (laughs) His rights did get moved. I don't know the chance that he comes to the Western League, but if he does, Edmonton gets a fair amount of players and picks for him. All conditional. Um, I think there was a couple
3: players and a couple picks that were the foundation of the trade, and then everything else is, of course, conditional on Gunther. The Reaction is like, when does it stop? <laughs> Thankfully, that's today because I was. I think everyone's getting a little tired that Seattle got who they're gonna have an NHL third line for crying out loud.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, Seattle, it almost feels like we might as well hand them the uh, the playoffs at this point, but of course, they got to play the games. Yeah, there's a reason they play the
3: games, and uh, I mean, they're kids, right? Uh, they can be the best team on paper, but there's there's a couple teams that will have a lot to say about that. And they got to win their way there, right? So that's another aspect. It'll be interesting, actually, just seeing all the moves that Seattle's made and Winnipeg too, um, just seeing how all of these players gel together and how long that takes until they really hit their stride. Lots of time until the playoffs, but uh, it's interesting when you have that much turnover in a locker room I mean, the players all understand why they're there and what the goal is. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the lines look like. And
0: Yeah, I mean, as we, as we speak now, they're on a two-game losing streak out east. So just never know. It might take a little bit. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they'll figure it out, but it uh, you just, just never know. Rattling
3: off the games, and then the boys come back from World Juniors and now they're on a little bit of a, a skid. I wonder if people were just – their heads were elsewhere because of the trade deadline. Could be. Another deal that I think maybe surprised some people, uh, Jake Chason going to Saskatoon.
4: Identity theft is not a joke, Jim.
0: Millions of families suffer every year.
3: There were rumors about uh, them potentially moving for Adam Sikora, and the Rangers chose to send him back to Europe. Saskatoon went out to get uh, another strong piece up front with some speed.
0: Well, I think they probably just felt a little left out in the... Out in the rain here, everybody else was loading up and they decided they needed to do something. They had room, they had picks.
3: Yeah, and it kind of feels like them, uh, Saskatoon and uh, Red Deer, um, aren't necessarily playing to win it all this year, um, but this is like a really nice start to maybe a couple year window for those teams. So maybe they just, they're pretty decent to stay pat for the most part and Saskatoon just got that one extra piece they were kind of looking for that made sense for now without uh, mortgaging any of the future.
0: And finally, we've got Portland doing Portland things, trading for a player nobody talked about. Ozzie Wiseblatt, first, second, and a second, all conditional on Wiseblatt coming back from the AHL Barracuda. I have no idea if that's going to happen, but knowing... Portland and Mike Johnson, it very well might.
3: I mean, some people had talked about uh, Wiseblatt. Maybe um, I don't think anyone assumed he was coming back or even in the conversation. Right, and just like that, Portland adds two key pieces, and <laughs> they make that Western Conference just a bit tougher.
0: Coming up next, we've got Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post, and after that, Steve Ewan, the Vancouver Province. pleased to be joined by rob vanstone of the regina leader post rob we really wanted to have you on today obviously it's the trade deadline uh in the western hockey league and things move fast and so we wanted to have somebody that was part of the league for you know as long as you have been uh to give us the lowdown on the eastern conference so how are things today
1: well a little calmer now uh actually it was pretty calm overall in regina uh but uh Around the league, actually, today wasn't the trade deadline day. wasn't the interesting one in the, in the Western Hockey League. There were some whoppers uh, as recently as uh, a Sunday night, uh, and then, and then, of course, the Winnipeg Jets sent a couple of nineteen-year-old forwards to the uh, to the back to the WHL to make things extra interesting. So, uh, but, but the trade deadline day was actually pretty uh, uneventful. It was just the weeks. Even months leading up to it, when you look at how how long uh, Seattle's been building that team, for example, um, those were interesting. Today was an anti-climax.
0: It's funny you mention that we we definitely had a lot of deals today, but it did kind of feel that way, just by the way so many deals happened earlier on in the in the season. And uh, and and why don't we just start there? Do you think do you think maybe uh, the way Seattle struck early kind of affected not only the tone of the trade deadline, but maybe the prices.
1: I think so. There's a lot of teams that I think have a realistic shot at winning it all this year, so I think that helps. The fact that the Memorial Cup is in the, is in the West this year, so that there's an automatic buyer built into the equation there. And then you look at the type of the team, the type of team that, uh, that Seattle has, the type of team that Winnipeg has, uh, type of team that uh, the Cavaliers Blazers uh, uh, want to have. Uh, Red Deer Rebels, Saskatoon Blades, uh, honestly, I mean, you know, Portland Winterhawks. I mean, it's it's such a there's such a, an abundance of, of really good teams or teams that are on the periphery of being really good and and by necessity need to get there, like the like the uh, like the Kamloops Blazers. So it was definitely a seller's market this year, and uh, and uh, you know, very early in the process, we saw first round draft choices. Uh, Flying left and right, four of them in one deal. And uh, uh, but, but I think by the time we got to January 10th, the trade deadline, I think most of the big draft capital had already been spent. I don't think there was really much left to left to trade. The Saskatoon Blades traded a uh, a first, a second, and a conditional second uh, for Jake Chason for the Brandon Weekings. But aside from that, there wasn't really much. Uh, oh, hold on, the uh, Edmonton uh, traded the rights to Dylan Guther to seattle if that pans out my goodness but uh the gunther deal if he ever shows in the win the western hockey league again is massive but that's uh that's a maybe
0: that's a really good point i was uh i was curious what was going to happen with gunther's rights after you know word came out in arizona that they you know they weren't interested in in, in uh, shipping him back to the western league um i think i think i I, I hoped somebody like Seattle or, or one of the other contenders would would take a swing, but I, I had my reservations just because it's such a such a, a long shot it seems at this point. but uh, I mean, like you said, if that does end up happening that that will be quite something. Um, also might be quite something was how um, Portland seemed to be interested in, uh, in Wiseblatt out of, uh, out of PA there. All conditional picks. If he comes back from uh, from the AHL uh, Barracuda, uh, I'm not sure how to read this one. If it was just uh, Mike Johnston doing the you know the last stitch effort, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I'd be surprised if, if a, if a first round draft choice to end up back in the Western Hockey League. But I mean, you make the deal, and you uh, you don't want to be caught uh, asleep at the at the switch if if a player like that does end up back in the Western Hockey League. So. Uh, again, I'm not sure it's really unlike uh, the, uh, the Dylan Gunther deal. You just want to you want to have uh, control of that asset if if, uh, if he resurfaces. I mean, you never know. I didn't think Luke Prokop would be back in the Western Hockey League this year, and now he's uh, playing and playing well as you would expect for for Seattle. So every now and then, there's a bit of a surprise.
3: Yeah, both of those deals kind of it it looked like they just decided, well, hey, if we're left with some of these assets at the end of the day, we're going to take a shot on these two conditional moves kind of idea. It kind of seems like that was the way to get value this year, considering the prices, and it seemed, uh, you know, we didn't see many big picks move today.
1: No, I mean, uh, I don't think there are really many left to be spent. I mean, when you look at all the first-round draft choices that, that Seattle has traded, uh, you look at the uh, that the, the draft capital that the Cavaliers Blazers sent to the Everett Oilers, etc. Uh, that's uh, there's just a, such a massive haul there, and uh, it's not it's not like uh, elsewhere where you can trade you know first round draft choices uh, for the next ten years. If you want, you've got through 2026 to to trade them. You know, as Ken Campbell pointed out in his Hockey Unfiltered uh, newsletter, I mean some of the draft picks that have been traded uh, those. The players who will be picked in twenty twenty six are currently eleven years old. <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe sometimes. Um, I mean, I guess it's the nature of it. I, I know in the Western League it's been, you know, up until a couple years ago, it was it was pretty rare to see even a couple years out, you know, like everybody was holding on to their picks. And then we used to always remark how out east it was it was just wild how far out some of them would get, and you know we then we saw many years ago them bringing that rule where you can't trade first round picks. Um, do you think anything like that might come to the Western League because of this?
1: Um, I don't think so. Um, I think, and like you Ken know, pointed this out in his uh, his newsletter his as well. I think major junior operators across the country have to be concerned when you know teenage players are being moved around like this and that you know since the start of the season not just the not just the uh, trade deadline but there's the the commodification of young hockey players and i i'm not sure this is i mean it it creates a lot of hype and and, and it helps you know teams take a run of the memorial cup and, and league titles and all that but but uh when you see young players moving around in a lot of you know in some cases you got people joining their third team this year uh, I'm just not sure that that is really good. I'm not sure that's a good recruiting tool for the Western Hockey League either. There, there um so many so many players end up trying to choose between the American college system and and major junior hockey, and and I realize everything isn't is perfect in the in the NCAA. Uh, myriad examples of that, uh, you know, scholarships are renewable on a year to year basis, but if you end up saying you're going to go to, to uh, US college, at least I think you have a pretty good, yeah, I think, you know, you're not going to be traded that same, that same year when you're, uh, when you're 18, 19. And, uh, there's a kind of stability there, at least for the course of a season that may not exist in the Western Hockey League, the way things are evolving. And, uh, it just, it's a, it's a concern when you see that, that much flying around. And, uh, um, it, it it almost disqualifies now about you know two thirds if not more of the teams in the league from even really thinking they have a shot. You know there's that strategy, the stratification of the league for the final half of the season is going to be pretty pronounced.
0: That's definitely a fair point. I think I think it's without a doubt that way right now. I mean even before the trade deadline, I think we probably only thought there was a handful of teams that had a shot. Um, and now definitely it feels that way Uh, going back to one of the points you made before with uh, college hockey and the ncaa i was talking to another guy who is pretty involved in that kind of area of uh, of hockey and he said the exact same thing he said uh you know one of the biggest things that they're seeing at the ncaa level is players are having a tough time choosing and and they're biggest recruiting tool is just that fact that they can guarantee it. They say if you want to stay here for, you know, four years, you're gonna be here for four years. Uh and and so, um, I think that is that does play a lot on uh, on kids' minds and families minds, uh, to a further extent.
1: And if you're going to the NCAA, you're not gonna to have to fight. And uh not that fighting is the scourge that it used to be in, in uh in uh junior hockey, far from it. I think in hockey in general it sits down it's greatly reduced, and thank goodness for that, but uh, you're not going to have to deal with that aspect of the game if you end up in the NCAA either. And I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to be one you know, who's arguing in favor of players choosing the, the college system. I've, I've followed major junior hockey closely for more than 50 years and absolutely love it, and I think it's, it's a wonderful product, but there are some – there's kids these days and parents these days, families have to make a lot of choices, and, and days like the trade deadline bring some issues to light that you know, um, probably extend beyond, uh, just the, the playing of the
3: game. Yeah. You, you mentioned that, you know, the CHL as being a, a product and that's kind of bang on when we see, you know, these teams load up when they can for a mem cup. Um, and do you think this year teams in the middle there at least were the reason part, part of the reason that prices were so high was that some of these teams in the middle wanted to, uh, get into the playoffs and get some of that extra revenue they might have been missing the last couple of years?
1: Um, you know, it could be, um, you know, I, um, I mean, I'm, I'm based in Regina and, and Regina is a middle of the road team that really didn't do a lot to, to fortify itself for the season. And, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of stuck in that middle ground. And I, I wonder if, 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 if you're not one of the elite five or six, maybe just, you know the teams that are trying to get into that top third of the league. It, I think it probably got tougher for them uh, on the trade deadline because you've got all these teams, these teams loading up, and and do you? I think the, were, the prices were just so high for uh, not just the marquee players, but even players that uh, that you wouldn't ordinarily think would command a massive price. So if you're, a, if you're a middle team looking to add depth, I think there was, a, was a, there was was an exorbitant price for the depth players that, that may not have existed a year ago. I was surprised to see if, you know, like I alluded to it earlier, Jake Chason from Brandy go to Saskatoon for a first, a second, and a conditional second. Uh, last year the Winnipeg Ice traded for Tanner Brown and uh, gave up a first-round draft choice for him, a defenseman. I think that one raised some eyebrows. So even the last few years, I think we've seen players going for higher draft capital than we may have in the past. And that makes it really tough when you're a middle ground team, because you're not thinking I'm on the verge of, if you're a general manager, you're not thinking I'm on the verge of, of, of winning a Memorial Cup or a league title. If you're one of those teams, that's just hoping to squeak into the playoffs or get a few rounds. How do you pay the prices, the same prices that the, that the elite teams are paying? And is there that deterrent? And I, I wonder if, uh, if, if that made the lot of the of the teams in the middle ground, you know, the 500 teams, are more difficult than it uh, than it was, say, a week ago.
3: Are you surprised that more of those 500 teams uh, didn't uh, maybe flip flop and decide to sell an asset or something, given how high the prices were?
1: Um. Yeah. I just. I mean. I mean, a lot of the talk has been about the Pat's and Connor Bedard. And I mean, it, it had he been available, my goodness. I mean, we saw the we we saw the Everett Canloup's trade with with I think four players and ten draft choices, four of them being first rounders. If could Connor Bedard have been on the market, uh, and and a middle ground team such as the Regina Pat's uh, would have wanted to trade him. What well, would the return have been? And don't forget too, the Pat's have Stanislav disposal, a 19 year old defenseman who's. Yeah who captained the Czech Republic at the, or pardon me, Czech Czechia at the uh, world juniors, what would he have been worth? What kind of halt could the Regina Pats have made? Had that been the direction uh, that they, they wanted to go? Uh, I don't think we saw a lot of middle ground teams, you know, in in the role of buyer or, or um, I don't, I, nor do we see them really in the role of seller. Uh, I, I just, just taking a, a cursory look at it i just uh, uh th- th- i think that some of those teams were just almost in a in a neutral situation
0: the way the market just played out like you said earlier um there was just not a lot um not a lot left uh for the buyers buyers to give anybody that even wanted to uh if they ended up being late in the process look i uh heard Earlier today, I heard the interview with uh, John Paddock, just kind of addressing the team team's trade deadline and kind of the, the lack of moves and 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 it was asked if um, you know if any teams made any offers uh, for Bedard even after you know the whole thing in uh, in Kamloops happened earlier this season. Um, do you know uh, there was a piece uh, Greg Drinnen put out put out uh, a week ago or so. That mentioned, uh, you know, uh, some sort of wild offer from the from the uh, Thunderbirds, like a ten piece offer, maybe similar to what we saw from Gunther. Do you know if anything like that ever came across Paddock's desk?
1: I don't. Um, from talking to John today, it didn't feel like there was a lot of uh, activity, at least in the days leading up to the trade deadline. I'm, I don't. I'm not sure if that particular offer did come through. I'm sure there were a lot of teams. Um, perhaps not recently, but uh, in, in the weeks prior, uh, contacting John to say, well, what would it take to do this? Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Camelot Blazers, obviously, because they're playing host to the Memorial Cup. Uh, but I think, you know, as far back as late November, early December, John pretty much put the lid on uh, talk about Conor Bedard being traded. He said, they're not doing it. And uh, he was pretty adamant, uh, not just publicly, but I'm sure in conversations with the general managers. And there were some people who thought, well, he's just trying to try to, he's just playing hard to get. He's trying to drive the price up so it, uh, you know, really make people overpay. But they were pretty uh, steadfast in not wanting to trade uh, trade Conor Bedard. And the other element of the equation is that Conor Bedard would have had to have wanted to be traded as a 17-year-old. And uh, I don't know if the, I mean, what we don't know is if, if it had the path gone to him, would he have been willing to wait for wait trade provision in his, in his contract, but uh, um, Connor Bedard really likes it here. He—he, uh, he, I mean, a Regina Winter who wouldn't want to experience that? But um, uh, you know, he's treated extremely well here. Him and his mom uh, and uh, the family dog live here um, during hockey season. Uh, he's the captain of the team, and that means a ton to him. And I think developmentally, it's—it's pretty big for him to be a leader, especially at the. Uh, at 17, you don't see many 17-year-old captains. It's just—it's a good fit here. He likes it, and just really didn't didn't uh, covet the notion of moving. I'm sure if the Pats had had uh, really pushed it, maybe he would have bent. But I don't think it ever—it ever came to that. I think there's just the both sides are really comfortable with one another. And uh, uh, from my perspective, and I know it's not a widespread or universal view, but I'm glad I get to see him play for another half a season. Uh, I've never seen anything quite like this. I want to enjoy it.
0: <laughs> oh, there's no doubt about that. And hey, I I think there's a lot to be said for loyalty. Um, I don't think there is a lot of loyalty anymore in this uh, this world we live in. So I think that uh, that goes a long way, um, in the hockey world.
1: Yeah, it uh, you know, it uh, in the sporting world, I mean, loyalty is is uh, it's sometimes it's paid paid lip service too, but it's not often a factor when it when it comes down to it. We've seen so many examples of, of that but uh you know in this in this case i'm i'm kind of glad it well i am glad it, it turned out this way from a, from a selfish standpoint uh, i want to i want to enjoy seeing this tremendously talented player uh, for as many as many times as i can and uh i think it's now incumbent on the past having retained connor Bedard to make sure that as many people as possible do see him play and to do everything possible to try and pack this rank. Because it seems to me that it, he's a bigger, he's a big deal every time they go on the road. But the the the, the response in terms of these numbers at the home games has been uh, been disappointing. So uh, now that he's here, I think they have to throw or that he's staying here. I think they have to put all their resources behind maximizing uh, their final few uh, few months uh, with him.
3: Yeah, and with House Fozel played at the World Juniors too. I mean. Those two guys alone could probably uh, win you around in the playoffs, so they could make some noise.
1: It depends who you play, right? I mean, if they, if they finish, uh, you know, if they can get themselves into fifth in the in the Eastern Conference, uh, I think they have a much better chance of winning a first round. If you finish six, seven, eight, you're looking Winnipeg, Saskatoon, or Red Deer, and that is really tough. Those teams aren't invincible by any means but I mean look at Winnipeg I mean honestly uh, they were a tremendous team before they uh, <laughs> before they uh, uh, before they made the deal on the weekend so I mean Winnipeg's just got three lines I think any one of which would could be a first first line in other places uh, and uh, it's just a breathtaking array of talent and, and red Deer's so good and Saskatoon is having such a nice season so it, it's going to be tough but uh, you know, there's there's nobody else in the Western Hockey League who uh, who uh, um not nobody else. I mean, look at the, look at the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds with four players on the World Junior team. But when you look at the Regina Pats, they've got two players who played in the World Junior final, you know, opposite one another. And uh, when you when one tenth of your roster on any given night is of that caliber, some nights they can sometimes they can. Uh, they can carry you, but the Regina Pats really don't have much of a choice. But uh, they're a pretty top-heavy team. If Connor Bedard can 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 uh, carry a disproportionate share of the scoring for the remainder of the season, I guess I wouldn't rule anything out because he's the best junior age hockey player in the world. But uh, when you look at Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Ice rolling out three lines of that caliber, uh, my goodness. <laughs> No,
0: I, I don't think, I don't think anyone here will argue. It, it definitely seems like it's Winnipeg's, uh, you know, uh, conference to win, but I think, uh, we also can't argue with what we saw at, uh, at the world juniors from Connor Bedard. Um, it was, it was incredible. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm here for it and I, and I can't wait for the playoffs. You know, uh, Rob, we're really thankful uh, that you had the time to join us today. Um, and, uh, if uh, anyone else wants to, you know, read your stuff, uh, where can they find it?
1: Leaderpost.com. Nice, uh, nice and simple. Uh, my Twitter handle is at rob vanstone at
2: V-A-N-S-T-O-N-E.
1: Let me try that again at r o b v a n s t o n e. Um, so, uh, yeah, feel free to to give it a read and uh, and uh, make fun of my picture.
0: <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, like I said, we really appreciate it, and uh, today was great. Thanks.
1: Well, thank you. It's been uh, great chatting with you, and I hope to have the uh, the pleasure again.
0: Here at the Warm Up the Bus podcast, we are pleased to be joined by Steve Ewan of the Vancouver province. How are you doing this deadline day, Steve? I'm
2: outstanding. I am uh, enjoying it. There's lots of action, lots of things to talk about. Lots of things that didn't happen to talk about. I, I think there's we got all sorts of options
1: here.
0: Yeah, you know what? It's uh it's 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 a deadline day that will definitely go down in the history books. Uh we had massive moves uh yesterday and and throughout the season. I think some people might think today itself wasn't that exciting, but I think overall this is a pretty historic uh trade deadline.
2: Oh, i think you've you've seen teams spend like maybe we haven't seen teams spend in recent years i think it's a combination of uh more buyers and sellers teams feeling the need that they got to get in the playoffs to just to win back some fans and you know get some get some money back for for the COVID years i think uh we, you know with a a mem cop host year you've got two teams that that have bursts so uh, there's just all all those things seem to seem to come uh, together to create some some wild spending.
0: Camloops uh, throws four first round picks, you know, four players. Um, it's it's a trade that I, I'm pretty sure the Western Hockey League has never seen before. That many 14 pieces total uh, for Zelwiger and Holfer out of Everett. Um, I guess the question is, is that enough to make them? Competitive with the uh, best teams in the country.
2: I, 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 mean, I think so. I think you've got a uh, an eight, well, arguably the best defenseman in junior hockey right now. Definitely a, a power, power play quarterback plus uh, a very good, good power forward added to a team that had lots of offensive pieces. Um, <clears throat> they're obviously very happy with Dylan Ernst now in goal. I, I did. I, I wondered if they were going to go up, go and get a. Uh, a veteran goalie or or maybe a a 1B to his 1A Um, yeah I I think they're I I think they're dramatically better than they were are they better than Seattle are they better than Portland are they better than Winnipeg I think those are all kind of fair fair questions
0: you mentioned Seattle there I think uh, that that on paper that might be the best team we've seen in some time uh, in the Western League um, obviously today there wasn't a whole lot of action from them. They they did end up doing um, what could be, you know, a massive trade for them, trading for the rights to Dylan Gunther. Um, you know, they ga- guaranteed swapped a prospect and, and a draft pick with them. That That's happening no matter what. But then there's six conditional picks there, including a first-round pick. Um, what's your read on this one?
2: Uh, it's a good... Blood. I saw them I think on opening night in Vancouver against the Giants and I thought they were good then. and that was they were missing eight guys <laughs> and that's before the you know the gun trade and Brad and Brad Lambert and um uh the Camus, the colton oh, Dock, yeah yeah so i I, I actually died that was before the uh before the other defensemen before the the trade with Edmonton, the Pro Cop. I I mean, that was yeah, they were a completely different team, and I thought they were good enough to win that. Um, I, thought, I thought they looked great I thought they were big and strong and fast. You know, had, had all sorts of pieces. So I, they're going to be. Uh, they were very good a year ago. They've got that experience. They've got all the World Junior experience. Got, you know playing in big games in front of big crowds and. and you know, kind of uh, very pressurized spots. I, I, I think they're, they are look fantastic. I, and, I mean, how are they going to look two or three years from now? I don't know, and I don't think they probably care. So <laughs> this is a year, and they went all in, and if you're a Thunderbird fan, you have to love that.
3: Yeah, and, and talking about maybe they don't care about where they are in a few years, um, I think we could probably say the same thing about Winnipeg and the massive uh, package that they sent to Vancouver there uh, for a stab chuck
2: I know that, that I, I, you know, covering the Giants as much as I do, I know how highly Zach is thought of as just a human being. one of the, They talk about him being one of the great leaders they've ever had in that program and <clears throat> one of the better people they've ever had in that program. And uh, GM Barkley, Barkley Pernetta was consistent all year saying, I'm not going to shop Zach. I will listen to offers, but it's got to start with something close to the Nolan Allen trade, which was Allen and the prospect for what was, it was four players and four picks or it was, it was, it was very, it was very similar to what you know, um, the Giants got the two players, two prospects and four, you know, four picks, including three firsts. So he was, he was consistent in that. Uh, he told me that he had three, three very similar offers. I'm I'm gonna I, I know one was Kamloops, from what I've been told. I'm guessing the other one was Saskatoon. Uh, I think it was a matter of, of where, you know, what the different pieces were. Um I yeah, I, I one of the things Barkley said to me is I you know I didn't plan to trade him, but every time I answer the phone, there's another first round pick. Big throw on top of the deal. <laughs> so I, I I think it puts them in a spot where you didn't think you were going to beat Seattle. Uh, you 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 were certainly in tough to beat Portland or Cambridge. So you're looking at you know and and you weren't an automatic to win the first round. Flip side of it, you're dramatically better a year from now, <clears throat> especially if you can take those picks and turn them into 18 you know 18 and 19 year old players next year. You could have a run of two or three or four years because they're very excited about their. 05s and 06s and their 07. and they could add add, add some more force to that and really complement that group. So, I think you still have a, a very good chance to win around. I think you have a very good chance to get you know to get into the second round. Um, and the other side of it, I think you're very good. I think you you really improved the future of, of you know of of the hockey club. They're at, I believe it's nine first round picks over the next four years coming off a year when they had three. So you your 12, 12 first-round picks in a five-year span, I think you could really defense.
3: Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned them parlaying those picks from the check deal into getting more veteran uh, pieces there. That's that's your feeling in the market there? Is that that's kind of what they're going to do with those just because of the surplus they have?
2: I think so. I think that's the plan. I think the plan is to really build around the 5, 06, 07. So you would like to get back the uh, the O fives and the to s into the playoffs again, you, or I guess um, uh, for the O again, for the oh6 is the first time, and just give them that experience, give the you know get them to see be it a Seattle or, or Portland or a Can, you know, whoever you happen to see, and and then a year from now when maybe their their O four classes not where they want it to be, you you have some assets, you have some trade. Trade capital that that you can build on that group.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned Kamloops offering um, for a stop check. I, I I wouldn't doubt it in the slightest. Uh, mostly because we saw it last year in the playoffs. He was an absolute beast. He was all over the ice, doing absolutely everything. He's going to be just adding him to that Winnipeg team is going to be just insane. They're going to be so good. Um, he's uh, he's really going to excel with so many other pieces over there that you know teams aren't going to know who to match up against. It's um, It really is an embarrassment of riches. Um, I think with Ostapchuk being uh, being traded and then obviously Kelowna decided to trade a lot of uh, their pieces away, I think we might see uh, some teams really try. I think we saw this with Prince George as well here at the end, just adding that 2003, trying to to sure up to try and get into that fourth, fifth spot and see, uh, see if there's a chance for, for another team now.
2: I think your chances, I think getting, I think getting into the four five, I mean, I, we've all kind of, I think everyone agrees that, that that Seattle, Portland and Cambridge are a step above everyone else. And I think if you can avoid that matchup in the first round, I think your odds of getting, getting a second set of, of home games for the playoffs I, I, I think goes up dramatically. I think you know that's and again home you know home dates equal equal bank account right. So I think that's a big a big chunk of the goal. But I, I Vancouver's they've they've traded an a, a, a important player away. Columbus traded an important player away. Everett's traded two two important players away. I don't know if this you know opens up things for Prince George and 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 Tri-City to kind of get, get into that 4-5. Victoria didn't, I, I, you wondered if they were going to sell. They, they they, seem to think they can get back in it. <laughs> so does that, are there chances of chasing down a clone or chasing down a Vancouver, chasing down a, a, and and that's getting into the playoffs? How much have they improved, so?
0: That's a fair point. I think, um, I know, well, I know for a fact that, uh, teams called on, on the rock when he came back, but, uh, obviously the, the, the price wasn't there for them. And I do think they have, you know, over the, the last week, two weeks, they've started to, to play a lot better than they were before, you know, and, and I think Kelowna probably going to start on the downturn here. So maybe they do catch them and, uh, and that would be quite something for how far back they were at one point.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, again, it's about what you value. Uh, if 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 getting into the eight slot and playing Seattle in the first round, it, you see that as a plus, plus, then you see it as a plus. If you look at if you if you think you would have gotten something similar to the Vancouver, Winnipeg package, I, I, you know, that's I I think it's about what your ownership feels and where you know where you're you know, where you feel as a, um, uh, a hockey personnel staff. So they felt how they felt. And they did what they did. And we will we will see in the next couple of years, how, you know, whether whether it was a good move or a bad move.
0: Let's talk Portland Winterhawks here for a second.
2: Mike Johnson has always got something going. He is, hey, you know, you just, you just, I, I believe that they, they think that they're maybe a year away. Yeah. And I thought they were going to be very, very, kind of quiet and then you just went you know like they're holding on to that 20 spot holding on to that twenty spot you're like mm, he's got something and mike is my you know that's he is he is that you know he's that good you know not by chance he's a wizard
0: it's you know the just as the uh the world juniors was uh was starting to wind down there and uh you know you start to hear rumblings about lambert and then and then uh somebody reaches out to me and they're like, hey, like, don't sleep on Lucius uh coming to to Portland. And I'm like, no, they wouldn't do that. And all of a sudden we've got two Winnipeg Jets players coming to the US division to cause havoc. I think um, yeah, I think you're right. I think the Winter Rocks probably are shaping up for next season, so that's why we saw kind of these moves and and then Lucius obviously costs them nothing. And then all conditional picks. If they end up getting uh, Weisblatt, then great. If they don't, then no harm, no foul, and they're they're not worse next year.
1: You, you,
2: yeah, I, I I haven't had a chance to talk to too many people today about those the, about the Weisblatt and the Gunther. You know how how firm those are. I mean, you would think that if you're making those trades, you've you've got some feeling. I know talking to the Giants. They said that they were they were in on the Gunther. Wow, yeah, I think that would have been interesting as well, right? Well, I mean, looking at looking at some of the capital that they picked up, right? Yeah. They, yeah. right. He,
0: now it's it's interesting because obviously, I mean, Arizona was pretty pretty firm with Edmonton saying like he's not coming back. But I mean, you never know. There's uh, crazier things have happened.
2: You put him into that. You say that he's going to Seattle. And say he's going. He's got a very good chance to play in the May right and and what you know with a very good team and and got a very good chance to be in a mem Cup and <clears throat> the pressure of playing in the mem Cup and you know in Canada,
0: which of course he didn't get to um he was injured so so I don't know if that plays into it uh, that was kind of their thinking with the world juniors sending him back there.
2: let's not leave out the elephant in the room like what i i didn't i thought i I don't know how many people thought the, the bats were going to sell. Right, you you wonder like you just look at what Vancouver got in their trade, and what what and what ever got in their trade, what what would Regina have gotten for Connor Bedard?
0: Yeah, I mean, is there is there a bit of a you know the law of diminishing returns there? Like like how much would people teams have even been able to give? You know what I mean? Like like is there a limit where like yeah your player is you know double or triple what we should be giving you? But we could only give you this, and maybe that's just the end of the day. Why? One of the reasons why it just never came came to be.
2: Oh, I think so. I think yeah, that, yeah, that's a really good point. I just, I, I think no matter what you got, was was it going to be enough? And I'm still a huge believer in the value of of that of Conor Badar walking across that stage at the NHL draft, and you know the the James you know James Duffy or whoever it is talking about you know. You know Regina Pat Connor Bedard. I think that's that's an ad that you can't that you could never buy. Yeah. And 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 that and that last Friday. <laughs> and, and we're and I didn't realize until looking up. I think there's only six WHLers that have gone first overall. And, you know, you get the seventh one again. That's you know that's free that's free promotion. I I wonder if. The, the inability in this league now to trade 15 and 60 year I wonder how much that has changed some people's thinking. Because those, I, I, you could maybe sell to your fan base that, hey, we got so-and-so who was the first overall pick in you know, such and such a draft and has 50 goals this year and, in whatever league he's playing in in the under-18 league. And We got this guy who's doing this in his under-18 league. I mean, I, I don't know if that's easier to sell to your fan base than it is that we got, well, 12, 12 draft picks. But I, I I have heard lots of people say that, you know, that that limiting of the 15-, 16-year-old is is has affected the trade market and really cut down on how people act in terms of trades.
3: With Bedard being from uh, the coast there, uh, did you hear much scuttlebutt about uh, trade talks regarding Bedard throughout the year?
2: not at sign i i i'm a huge believer and they should have kept him um i know there was some buzz coming out of cam leaps i don't know how legit i don't i the origin i wonder if that just wasn't wishful thinking out of the can out of blazer people or blazer fans or blazer you know i don't know with me i have no clue but i i there was some made up there um I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I didn't think it was going to happen.
3: No, it, it certainly didn't after uh, the Pats came through Kamloops um, and they had that uh, infamous soundbite from the interview there.
2: I think we get caught, I think the media gets our feelings hurt way too easily when people are, you know, people are a little aggressive. And I think he's, if he wants to be aggressive, he's got every right to be aggressive because we all have our platforms to aggressive back other side of that though is John Paddock's been in scrums in the Montreal Forum and Madison Square Garden and the Spectrum and all places much more difficult to deal with than the Langley Event Center or the Sandman Center or the, you know the, the Savon Fruits Memorial Center so I, I was surprised at how um, how touchy he was about those subjects
3: Do you think he could have done maybe a better job um, making it very clear that that trade talk was not uh, in the equation.
2: Again, I I think the question's fair. I think you, I think especially when we so often look at uh, we looked at Connor Bedard as a unrestricted free agent. You know, like we 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 took that NHL lens and put it onto this kind of situation. So I I think the question's more than fair. I I just I don't. I, I think he turned it into a bigger story than it really needed to be.
0: You know, you mentioned uh, earlier with the 15s and the 16s that can't be traded anymore. Um, and how that, uh, you know, it's possibly one of the reasons why the, the prices were the way they were this year. Um, well, also no, no combined...
2: just, the, just the extra draft picks and, and how it limited maybe some trades. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's yeah that's what I was going
3: about. Yeah, replacing the prospects with the picks. Yes. yeah and the picks maybe being a little less certain too especially if they're a couple of years out right
2: well they are and, and, and it's again it's 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 harder to sell to your fan base you you know i i get you know i'm trading you brad Smith with 50 goals in, in the eighteen league is quite a bit different than i'm trading you a 2024
3: for shot it'll be might be easy for them to sell it but it'll take four years until they can right until those picks materialize into something.
2: I mean, either way, I think you're you're you know kind of throwing darts, right?
3: Yeah, it's a lot harder to sell that story in the the CHL as opposed to like the NHL, where fans can get behind a, a full true rebuild. Whereas the CHL, they might be a little more sensitive.
2: I do. I like. I wonder. I where is camps going to be in a year, right? And and how is their fan base going to feel? And, and we've looked at some of these. You know, there's been some. Teams that have really struggled after hosting. It's, it's, I mean, it's a challenge. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know, you know, and, and what the expectation is, because I've, I've been around the Giants where they're, where I would argue they were the top program in the CHL, and I've been around the Giants when I could argue they were one of the worst programs in the CHL. Yeah. And there, there wasn't a lot of years between those two things, right? So it's, when it's going well, you can keep it going well for a while when it's going badly, you have trouble getting it out of that as well.
3: Cyclical nature can be really tough. And I think that kind of speaks to how impressive Portland has been in just maintaining how competitive they are and always in that conversation. And if if they take any time away from that, it's like a year or two. Do a great job of getting players uh, through other avenues, right?
2: They find guys that other teams have no... I, I just, don't, just haven't figured out how to... Fine, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think Mike Johnson is, yeah, does it as well as anybody does it.
3: And it's a fair point. But do you, so. Say maybe the Giants, you know, hypothetically host the Mem Cup. Do you think the fan base would expect them to go all in? Well,
2: I, think, I think that's, I think that's the your, I, the worst case scenario more than being bad for two or three years is being bad at Mem Cup. Right. Like I think you you go through that and you get people to buy tickets and get them involved and then you you get blown out three games and you're done. I think that would scare people. I think or or you or you're you know, you're hosting a mem cup and you're going for it and you get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs and you gotta sit there and how do you sell tickets to your event when you're idle for six or eight or ten weeks, right? I think I think there's a lot of pressure on those host teams.
0: Well, you talk about worst case scenarios and I think Kelowna probably has that one nailed right now. They you know, they were a sub five hundred club and uh when the season was cancelled they were supposed to host
2: and Well they, they spent a ton of capital too, right? And <laughs> it's capital they never got back and, and to to take it another step is I was told that they had trades set up for the following year for the for the bubble year and then there was no playoffs was one of the def- there was a defenseman Was it was Kozak or I can't remember who it was who had you know they had multiple first round picks for it just never went through so there was not only the, the, the picks you sent out to try and get to that cup but the picks you weren't able to recruit the following year. yeah it's really a double whammy
0: alright Steve well uh, we really thank you for joining us today um, and I think we're all smarter for this conversation well
2: huh. I know I am. I don't know if you guys, but I know that I'm I'm
0: better for it. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Warm Up the Bus Podcast. Keep the conversation going on Twitter at WarmUpTheBusPod. You know, throw us a follow on Twitter. You never know what we might post. Or you can send us an email at WarmUpTheBusPod at gmail.com. As always, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does a wolf
3: howl at the moon? Does Adam McLeod rock and roll? Playing us out today is a solo artist from Fort McMurray, Alberta, primarily drawing from the genres rock, folk, and punk. You can find Adam McLeod's music on Spotify, Google, or other major streaming platforms. Or you can look for the band he's also participating in, The Radium Scouts. This is a single from Adam's most recent album, Six Word Stories, titled Buttons and Browsers.
4: Away, who will clear all its history? A hundred window browsers. Was the app to send out flowers? Who will book shows in the tavern? time.